better get into the Bible. We'll be in Nehemiah chapter 4, but I love to do character studies, and two of my favorite uh, men in the Bible is King David and also Nehemiah. And I, I years ago started studying them out and looking at some of the, the leadership abilities that they had and some of the the uh, personality of who they are and, and uh, just wanting to prepare myself to be a better pastor and to be a better uh, uh, shepherd in our church and, and wanting to be that. And so I, I love both of these men. Both of them were very passionate in what they were doing and uh, didn't always make the right uh, choices. David, obviously, we know many of the, the uh, bad choices that he made, but um, was a tremendous leader, and there were men who followed him to death. Now, you have to be quite a leader to be able to instill that into people, and, and uh, Nehemiah was the same way. Nehemiah was a great leader, and he went in and, and um, came back to Jerusalem, and he went in there and rebuilt the wall and uh, led a group of people that had... Uh, been uh, apathetic and complacent and had been caught up into the world and uh, he was able to motivate them to go back the right direction and to rebuild the walls and uh, to get uh, things reestablished like they should and he was a great leader in doing that and so we can learn a lot from the book of Nehemiah and I'll give you some of the outline here but uh, in in chapter one, it just uh, we see here the preparation of Nehemiah, and uh, here God starts laying a burden on his heart and on his life, and and uh, we see that preparation uh, in uh, chapter one, chapter two. We see that God prepares a plan for him and lays that on on Nehemiah's heart, and then uh, chapter three, we see he goes in. First thing he does is he builds up the proper gates and. Uh, so, I mean, the, it, it, it's going great, fantastic. You know, he, he's uh, getting the things done that needs to be done. And, and uh, you're going to go into a ministry and uh, you may have what we call the honeymoon period. And you're going to go in and you're, you're excited about the ministry that you have that God has called you to. And, and you're going to see some great things. And whether it's as an assistant or whether it's as a pastor somewhere or evangelist, missionary, whatever it is, but you're going to go in and you're going to find that there's some, you know, the excitement and, and uh, the people love you and all these things are going on and then you're going to hit chapter 4. And you're going to remember chapter 4 because there's going to come some real challenges in your life. And, and so here we see that you need to prepare for some external problems that are going to come. And they will come. You, you are going to have some issues that you're, you are going to have to deal with. And you need to make that decision right now what you are going to do. You can either quit, pack up, and move somewhere. I remember Dr. Curalo used to say, he said, look, if you're just going to stay two or three years and move on, just go ahead and buy a U-Haul instead of renting one. It'll save you money. And, uh, you know, we need to... Uh, make a choice, and we need to make that, that choice today that I am not going to quit. And so, and I'm not going to leave until God makes it evident 
And, and, and I believe that God uses something far more powerful than circumstances to move you. We, we can use circumstances as an excuse every day to move. I, we have had more snow this year than we have in the 25 and a half years that I've lived there. I'm looking at that as a reason that maybe I should go to Florida. I, I think Dr. Comfort has this right, you know, and, and I could use that. And, and however, God, God uh, tells us differently. But let's get into chapter 4, and uh, Lord willing, on Thursday... We'll look at chapter 5 and we'll see some of the internal problems. But today, let's take a look at some of the external problems you may deal with. And so as you are in your ministry, then you're going to find that there will be an ungodly reaction to some of the things that you are doing. And we see that, first of all, in verses 1 through 3. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation in indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. And so here we see an ungodly reaction to the ministry and, and you will deal with that and you will see those in the world that, that do not like what you are doing. They will be full of anger. They will be irritated by the things that you are doing. They will uh, ridicule you or deride you and, and uh, make fun of the things that you are doing and that they will throw insults at you just as we see that they have done in this passage here. They will uh, show contempt in the things that, that you are doing. And if you do not think that that's the case, then you will be uh, completely surprised and, and taken aback when that happens. And so just know that there is an ungodly reaction to the things that you are doing. Not everyone is happy with that. I, I was with a gentleman in our church one day, and he drove a semi, and... Uh, he uh, asked me to ride with him, and at the time, the church was small, and I had time on my hands, and I said, absolutely, love to go with you, and able to talk to him, and, you know, encourage him while we're in the truck, and he was loading corn from one of the big farmers in the area, and, and so we're out there, and he's putting the corn in the trailer, and we're standing there on the side of the trailer, the farmer comes up, and is talking to us, and, and uh uh, carrying on, and then he finally looks at me and he says, so what do you do? I said, well, I pastor Platte Valley Baptist Church. He's like, oh, got down and walked away, and that was it. No more conversation, no more, and, and, uh, and, and, and no, no insults or anything, but he's like, yeah, I don't have time to talk to you, and so moved on. I remember a time that where we had in our, in our community that they were going to have a, uh, a rock concert, and uh, they wanted to have it in the park. And uh, along with that, then they decided that they wanted to have, serve alcohol in the park. Well, in the, in the, the town's constitution, it had said that uh, alcohol is not allowed in the city park. And so they were going to uh, just run over that and continue uh, to do what they wanted. And so I show up in the city council meeting and uh, stood against it and told them, you know, the Constitution says this, you ought to obey the Constitution. And, 
And I said, and besides that, if you have to get drunk to listen to the music, maybe you ought to change the style of music. <laughs> they didn't think that was as funny as I did. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes you take a stand against the things that the world wants, and they're not going to be happy with you. You know, if, and, and they stopped it, and they didn't have it that year, and praise the Lord, and they didn't have it for several years, and then it came back up again. And guess what? Yours truly was sitting in the city council meeting again. And they said, we were just wondering why you were here and now we remember. And so, uh, and of course, they find ways around it and, and now they have the drunk fest. But uh, um, you just have to stand. But you also need to remember that sometimes people aren't going to like you. That's okay. I don't necessarily like them either. But I'll try to still give them the gospel because I love the Lord and do the right thing, right? But anyway, we have an ungodly reaction in verses 1 through 3. But now we see Nehemiah's godly reaction to their ungodly reaction. Verses 4 through 6. What's the first thing that he does? He goes to the Lord. First thing. First thing. Do you, do you guys all realize the most powerful thing that you can do is pray. You, you, you need to understand that you have the very power of God Almighty at your disposal. And you need to pray. You, you need to, look, some of you might be struggling with paying your bill. You know what? Are you working hard? Are, are you walking in the way that God wants you to walk? Are you, are, are you listening to the Word? Are you, do you know you're called to do these things and you say yes? Then why don't you take it to God? And do your part, and I guarantee you, God will do His. And so here we, we see the first thing. He prays, and, and he also prays a, a prayer of intercession. He says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. I, I mean, he, he, we, we have become an object of contempt to, to the world around us. And, and so, Lord, we're asking you that you turn their reproach upon their own head and Give them for a prey in the land of captivity. You know, sometimes it's not wrong to pray against the enemy. Sometimes it's not wrong to pray and realize the enemy is the devil himself. And, and we know that they're just following the path that Satan has them blinded to. And so they're being used as the instruments of the, the devil. But we can pray that God can stop them and turn their reproach upon their own head and and then he goes on, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sins be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together under the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. You, you know, the thing is, so often we get challenged in these things, and and, and, and your, your anger wells up, and then you, you think about the injustices that are being dealt to you, and whatever they may be, and, and you have all these, these things that are, that are coming at you, and, and, and it keeps you distracted, and it, and it keeps you from doing what you need to do, and first thing that you need to do, take it to God, leave it at His feet, and then walk away and do the work that you've been called to do. Don't stop. You know, the, the devil is so good at throwing a fire up over here or a fire over here and getting your distraction and uh, getting you distracted and leading you to that distraction instead of walking the way that you ought to go. Proverbs 4 tells us you need to have blinders on. 
Don't look to the left or to the right, but just keep moving forward. And oh, how we need to do that and know the purpose that we have. And, and so here we see that heartfelt determination there in verse 6. So what did he do? He took it to God. He prayed to God and then he built the wall because the people had a mind to work. Your people will follow you if you are being the shepherd that you ought to be. We do not drive our people. We love our people and we lead our people. You want to guard your people by you taking the first shot. If anybody's going to get shot, let it be you. And you guard your people and you lead your people and you walk in front of your people and you lead them and show them, this is how we do this. This is what we do. We take it to God and then we do exactly what we're supposed to do. Oh, you need to be willing to lead and understand that that Satan is in for keeps and and he will use those people to try to destroy you and use those injustices or those inequities or whatever it is that bothers you. He will use those in your life to try to get you to get mad and walk away and quit from doing what you're called to do. Verses 7 through 12 now, we see an increased intensity. You think, all right, we got this one. We laid it at Jesus' feet. We've walked away, we're building the wall, and guess what? Here they come again. Boy, and, and I'll tell you, these days, if, if you will stay faithful and, and continue to preach the Word, and you, you, will, you will see the ministry grow. God's Word will not return unto Him void. And it will grow. Now, at what speed? That's all in God's hands. You, you do whatever God wants you to do. We, we have... Uh, uh, seen God do all kinds of wonderful things in our church family, and, and we praise the Lord for that. But you, you just need to understand that you need to be faithful in, in those things. But as you do that, you're going to find that you lay it at Jesus' feet, you see it's all good, and then uh, you think, man, I got this whipped, and guess what? Here they come at you again with even more intensity. And boy, do the challenges come, and they get greater. You know, in our, in our church family, when I, when I went there, and it's all, it's all God. It's, it's not me. If you knew me, you'd understand what I'm saying. It is not me, okay? It's God. When we went to Fort Morgan, Colorado in 1997, 19 people voted on us. And so uh, this, this week we had, I don't know, 270-some, 280, right in that area. And praise, we've had a high of almost 400 people. And it's all God, and it's not always numbers, okay? But it is numbers in that it gives you the satisfaction that God is working in the lives of many people. We just thank God for that. We thank God for that. But I, let me tell you, there have been challenges along the way. I mean, we had, a, we had a small building that you had 130 people in there, you couldn't breathe, you know, and you had... You had the air conditioning going. You had the windows open. You had fans blowing. We had, we had one time when Brother Dwight Smith was preaching out there, we had the back door, well, the front doors wide open, two big doors. You know, that's where everybody went out. We had those doors open. We had the side door open. We had 200 people in that building that seats 130. And all of a sudden, the neighbor's German shepherd got out <laughs> and walked the aisle. Actually, he ran the aisle. He come running down the aisle just like this, turned this way. He went south, 
and went right out the side door just that quick. And Dwight never missed a beat. Just kept right on preaching. And so, and you know that day, I think we had 21 people make professions of faith. Uh, and, and, and I just, but, but there are, so we had a building issue and we tried to buy the houses around us to build parking. Never could get it to work out. Uh, you know, and I thought for sure our neighbors were going to get mad at us. We had people parking three blocks away on Sundays. Nobody could park in front of their own house, you know. And we had one gentleman that used to get really angry at that, talk to him and witness to him over and over and over. And I don't know that he ever got saved, but I was the one that the family asked to do his funeral when he passed away. I was able to give the gospel message to his whole family, but you're going to have antagonists and and here and and so we we had issues and so then we end up buying a piece of property and start working on building a bigger building and anybody here ever had to deal anything with the uh, code enforcements they're straight from the devil the bureaucrats work for the devil i hope there's not one in here you might be a good person you just work for the devil <laughs> oh, it's getting hot in here. <clears throat> Let's see this, and, and if you ever get in a building program, you'll understand that. But, but it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up, so you know what it seems to me like? It seems to me that Sanballat was the main spokesman. He got really mad and worked up, and so... What does he do? But he goes and gets his friends. And so now we see that it's not just Sanballat that is angry, but now we see Tobiah, the Arabians, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites, and all of them had heard that, and that the breaches began to be stopped. Then they were very wroth, and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and hinder it. And so here we see that Look, the, the devil's world is going to constantly be against any kind of progress that you might be making. Whether it be progress in your church or whether it even be progress in your own family. Whether it be progress in your own marriage and, and you start, maybe you've had some issues in your marriage and, and you're, you, you have gotten it back on track and moving in the godly way that your marriage ought to be and, and you're going to find that the devil is not happy with that and he's going to throw things at you and and yes, even pastors and missionaries and evangelists, if you do not guard your walk, you will have problems in your marriage. And so maybe it's your children. And maybe you're working on them and you see some good things happening and then all of a sudden here comes another big old bonfire. Oh, the devil's going to be after you all the time. He will always fight progress in, in your life and in the work that you have and and in then verse 8, they conspire against them to fight against Jerusalem. You need to understand that when what you are now, you're in basic training, okay? And praise the Lord for the training you're going to get. However, you need to be prepared for the battle that is going to come when you get out of here. You're not always going to be under the, the, the safe bubble of Ambassador Baptist College and you're going to go back out and you're going to go out into the real world where you're going to see, and, and I shouldn't say the real world because you deal with some of this already, but you're going to find out that there are a lot of ungodly things going on and you're going to find out how dirty and messy sin is. 
And you're going to see that the devil is going to want to take you down that very same path. And oh, how careful we need to be that, and you need to understand, don't go fra-la-la-la-la, you know, through the, through the daisies thinking that life is all good and happy. I'm telling you that the day will come when you're going to find out you are at war. You know what? The devil would love to just take you out right now if he could, and so be careful. And we need to prepare. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. First thing he did again, we pray to God. Then he got active. Then he started doing what he needed to do, right? And set a watch against them day and night because of them. And I I never thought we'd have to do this, but churches now have safety teams. I, I never thought you'd ever have to be concerned about those kinds of things. In, in the 26, almost 26 years there at the church and in uh, 35 years of ministry now, uh, you, you just see things how, how the world just continues to get uh, more evil as we go. And, and we need to realize and understand that just as we have safety teams put up to protect our people, and we have the reputation in our county, which is good, they're, they're going to go hit the liberal Methodist church before they ever hit us uh, just because we are pro-guns. We shoot cannons off that shoot a 15-pound bowling ball out of sight. We, we have a flamethrower that we set things on fire. We have uh, shot a frozen turkey. Our, our governor a couple of years ago um, in, in a uh, sodomite relationship and his... Uh, partner uh, is a, a, a vegan, a radical vegan, and they came out two years ago and said, we're going to have a meat out day, and we're asking all of Colorado not to eat meat that day. And he doesn't realize that the agricultural industry gives the state billions of dollars of revenue every year. And so our church had a big picnic that day. <laughs> we served pork and chicken and beef. And shot a frozen turkey with 500 people from the community watching. (laughs) I have made the statement on live stream before, and I do it on purpose, that if somebody comes to Platte Valley and you expect to come in and do us harm, we will kill you. We might shoot seven or eight innocent people trying to kill that guy. (laughs) But we have... uh, and, and, and who would have ever thought that in a church you would ever do any of that stuff? But I, I, don't, I don't believe that it's wrong in the things that we're doing because here he said that we set a watch against them day and night because of them. Now we do that, but how well do we put the guard up against the devil in our own lives? Do you guard your phone? Do you guard your computer? Do you guard your mind? Do you guard the friends that you have? Do you guard the influences that you let come into your life? I mean, all of those things can be just as destructive and probably far more prevalent than the chances of somebody coming into our church and trying to do us harm. And oh, how we need to set up that guard and and we need to understand that it is a war that the devil wants to destroy you. And then verse 10 
here, just don't be overwhelmed by the task. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of the burden is decayed. There is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. You know, sometimes we, we just get to the point where you just throw your hands up and say, Lord, this is too big. I don't think I can do this. And you know what? That's when God will remind you of Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It's not you doing it anyway. You're just the tool that God wants to use. And if God wants to use you do, to do that, then he will give you the ability to do so. I never thought that I would, I, I never had the capabilities of, of uh, you know, uh, a million and a half dollar building. Whoever, I'd never seen any kind of money like that before in my life. And, and dealing with the code enforcement and dealing with all of that. And you know what I find? I find that God brings the people around you that are equipped to do so. And you just allow them to help you and, and you find out that God helps you along the way and just don't get overwhelmed by the task. You just win people one by one. Change the world by seeing people trust Christ as their Savior one by one. Make a difference in your community. And then we see that while we do that, then obviously the infiltration of the world and their adversaries said they, they shall not know, neither shall... Uh, neither see till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. So now they're going to try to infiltrate. The world will. And, and the world will do that in, in, in your ministry, in your family, in your home. I mean, the world is always going to try to do that. And God gives us a warning. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. So God gives us a warning. Be careful and, and be cautious. And so... Then we see in verses 13 through the rest of the chapter, we see the increased intensity of God's people to do the work. And the first thing that you need to understand is that we need to remember who we are building this for. We are doing these things. We are ministering to this community for the glory and honor of God. And in doing so, then we need to be preparing the fight that is coming and understanding that that the devil will get very personal in this fight. And here he tells us this. He says that, uh, remember who we're building this for. In verse 13, Therefore, said I in the lower places, behind the wall, and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Look, we need to understand that we are fighting this battle God first. We fight this battle for God. We want to infiltrate into a community that maybe has never had that gospel message and maybe never had someone that can come in and with confidence say, thus saith the Lord and preach and teach the word of God. And I'm telling you, when you do that, the devil will not be happy with you. But we do this because God's called us to do this. And then we do that for the sake of our brethren, for the sake of our sons, for the sake of our daughters, for the sake of our wives, for the sake of our own houses. Oh, how we need to understand the battle is real. And if you don't think it's real, then Dr. Beal and I ought to go back and look at the alumni that we graduated with and see how many of them are no longer in the ministry. It is real. I see it every day. 
I watch families disintegrate in front of my eyes. I watch pastors, missionaries and evangelists, missionaries come off the field. Evangelists take a job, pastors take a job because they have disqualified themselves. And oh, the battle is real. And you need to understand the fight that is there, and and it is a fight for life and death. I mean, if we could walk out this door and see the demons that that are surrounding and trying to infiltrate, if you could actually see them, you'd walk a little more circumspectly. But they are real and we see it every day. You know how careful we need to be. You know what we do? We just do what Nehemiah has led us to do. You take it to the Lord. You lay it at His feet. And then you just keep moving forward in doing the work that God has called you to do. To be the kind of believer that you ought to be. To be the kind of husband you ought to be. To be the kind of wife you ought to be. To raise your children the way that they ought to be. To be the kind of pastor, missionary, evangelist that you ought to be. And show the people in your church what it means to trust and be obedient and walk with God. Show your community that you aren't afraid to stand against that which is evil and take a stand for that which is right. Because we fight for all of that. And then we just keep that constant progression. Look at verses 15 through 18. It came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. Every individual did his part. You have your part to do, and we train our people to do their part too. And it came to pass that from that time forth, the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, and the bows, and the, and the habergens, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. You know what I see in that verse? Accountability. You know, there was half was working while the other half was guarding. If you have somebody in your, your friendship, your circle of friends that are here, and they come to you and they share something from their heart, make sure it stays between the two of you. You know, there are some things that you take to the grave and nobody knows. And you hold each other accountable. You help each other. You know, I, I'm afraid to say that, especially in fundamental circles, that that there are things that destroy our families that, 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 that are so toxic to talk about or preach about that, that those, those people, the, the, the couples, whether it be husband and wife or just husband or just the wife, that they feel like there is no one that they can share that with. You need to be the kind of friend that someone can come to and tell you that, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm really having some major issues here and and have been contemplating suicide. They ought to be able to come to you and talk to you and you can help them and 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 hold them accountable and and guide them out of this darkness that they're in. Oh, hey, people in the ministry are never supposed to have depression. They're they're never supposed to have anxiety. I wonder how many pastors had a little bit of anxiety in 2020. How many fought bitterness in 2020? How many fought anger issues in 2020? You know, the the challenges that came through all of that. 
And, and so we, we see that. You know, and, and I'll give this illustration. You probably, some of you know this, but so, so we build this building in, we started building it in 2016. We moved into it in uh, December of 2017, in December, and then in March, we found out that our oldest son had cancer right after we had moved. I mean, and, and we're already dealing with growth in the church. You're dealing with all that, and then bam, you have something like that. God knew, and God has healed his body, and we praise the Lord for that, and he's doing well and serving the Lord. And, but I'll tell you at the time, that kind of wreaks havoc on things, and, and, it, and it brings back to realizing what truly is important in your life and what's truly important in your ministry. And it brings you back to those, the realization of those things. But I'm telling you, there will be challenges in your life and you just need to continue to keep moving forward and doing what you need to do. And we did. And God blessed that. We ended up having to move chairs around again so we could seat everybody in that building. And, and Tyler came through the cancer surgery. All is gone. Uh, and praise the Lord, been, been clear ever since then. We thank God for that. We're moving right along. And then January 6th of 2020, one of our, we had two deacons at the time. One of those deacons, his uh, 40-year-old son, uh, passed away in the beginning of 2020, January 6th. And so devastated him. And so here he is. He's struggling with that. And then obviously we know what happened in late March and uh, early April in 2020, we had all of that come crashing down on us with the COVID and all of that and trying to shut our churches down. And then on May 9th, my other deacon, his dad was killed in a farming accident, used greatly in our church, and devastated his son, and devastated our church. And here we are dealing with the government telling us, you can have church, and what are you going to do? And you know what we did? We had church, and we had a funeral. And we had 500 people in our building. We had another 150 watching it out in the parking lot, and we had another 500 watching it on live stream. And we opened our church and said, you know what we're going to do? We are going to continue to move forward. And so the work doesn't stop. And we helped those, those two men, and yeah, they still have their struggles along the way, but doing much better in some areas, and we thank God for them, but how hard would it have been if we wouldn't have just continued to do the work of the Lord, and, and so, it can't, and so it, here we have that progression, verses 15 through 18, we see that, and they which build it on the wall, verse 17, and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, everyone with... One of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, everyone had a sword girded by his side, and so built it, and he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And then we see in verses 19 through 23, just stay diligent. And it said unto the nobles, to the rulers, to the rest of the people, the work is great and large, and we are separated under the wall, one far from another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, Resort you thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So we're scattered. He said, you hear the trumpet? We all come to that help, to that area, and we help that person. And so we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising in the morning till the stars appeared. 
Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, Let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. You know what? You just stay diligent. Stay diligent. You know, in all those challenges that we had in 2020, uh, it just kept coming. We had another lady in our church whose 25-year-old daughter was killed in a car wreck. We had another family in the community, not even a member of our church. As a matter of fact, none of that family I, that I know of has made a profession of faith and at the time, and their 30-year-old daughter and their one-month-old baby was killed by, uh, murdered by her boyfriend, and then he committed suicide after he killed both of them. We did that funeral. Right in the middle of all this junk going on, we did that funeral. We had a high school teacher who passed away of cancer, and we did that funeral. And we, we have done funeral after funeral after funeral in our community for people that, that we, do, we, we just you know, maybe knew through acquaintance or whatever. But you, you know what? We just continue to do whatever it is that God gives us to do. Whatever the opportunity is, God allows us to give the gospel, and between the farmer that passed away, that was killed in the accident, and the young lady that was, was murdered, just between the two of those, through the live stream, was able to give the gospel to over 10,000 people. And we see that God blesses diligence and perseverance in whatever the trials are. You know what we do? We just take it to God, and we leave it at His feet. And yes, we understand our weaknesses. And yes, we, we really do uh, go through some challenging times in our lives. And it's okay to be afraid. You hear me? It's okay to be afraid. But it's not okay to cower. John Wayne always said that courage is when you're scared to death and you get on the, you get on the saddle and you ride off anyway. You know, there, there are times where you may have some anxiety. That's okay. You take it to God and tell Him your weakness. And you allow God to take that. You tell Him that, Lord, I'm fighting some bitterness in my life. And you lay it at His feet and you ask Him to take it away from you. You might have some issues, uh, concerns about your child. You take that to God and you leave it there. Maybe you're afraid that you're inadequate in the ministry that you have. That's okay too. You lay that at God's feet. And He'll remind you that He's called you and He'll equip you. You trust Him. Whatever the challenges are, you just keep moving forward. No matter whatever the problems may be, you just keep moving forward. might be just a tiny step for that day, but you keep moving forward, and you'll see God use you greatly in His work for eternity. God bless you.